Okay, so I asked a question. Who would you say is the greatest athlete at all time? On a count of three, I want you to yell out whatever your answer is. Or, or maybe someone changed your mind in here and you have a new answer. So on the count of three, yell it out. One, two, three. Exactly. I have no idea who anyone said. Now, here, here's, the, here's the greatest thing about me in sports, okay? Um, it is no secret that I do not watch sports. Um, I play sports. I have played sports. But when it comes to, now listen, listen, some of you are like, you just got to try. I've tried, all right? I've picked a team. I've picked a random team. I've picked my, I'm from North Carolina. I picked the Carolina Panthers. I picked them, again, bandwagoned and picked them the year they were in the Super Bowl. Guess what? It didn't stick, but it's okay. It's okay. Because just because I don't watch sports doesn't mean I know absolutely nothing about sports, okay? Like, I know who the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball is, right? See, I, I see the hand. Michael Jordan, yeah? And see, he, you, you're like, Keith, how do you know that name? Again, I'm from North Carolina. Um, it's kind of like injected into our brain uh, when it comes to any type of sport of you got to pull for Michael Jordan, you got to pull for the Tar Heels. And back in, again, I remember when I used to live in Georgia, I had to be a uh, Georgia Bulldog fan because if I were not, I would get a, just ran out of the town. But see, when it comes to Michael Jordan, one of the most famous individuals in the world, the best basketball player in the world, everyone talks about, oh, he's such a great basketball player. He's so awesome. I remember, oh, the Chicago Bulls, all oh, that was the time. But that is what we all focus on. Did you know, in ninth grade, the greatest basketball player of all time got cut from his school basketball team? Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. I found that out. I was like, how's that? We don't focus on that. We don't focus on the beginning. We don't put focus on the end. We may know it, but that's not the focus. The focus is how did he end? How did he finish? And see, today we are in the final part of our series. We've been looking at the life of David throughout the last eight weeks or so. And today, we get to the end of the series. And you know what happens when you look at the end of a series based off the life of an individual? You look at their end. So turn with me to 1 Kings chapter two in your copy of God's word. 1 Kings chapter two, verse two. Because what we're gonna look at today is not how we start, but how we finish. And some of you already, you're like, oh, you're just like, Keith, I don't want to talk about finishing my life and doing well and doing good stuff. I can barely make it through today. Well, I'm excited that you feel that way because today I'm going to share with you the secret of how for all of us, every single one of us, I don't care about your past. I don't care about how your morning's been. We can all finish well. And there's a secret to it. And for the low price of $19.9, I'm playing. <laughs> Let's read this passage. We're going to read verses 2 through 4. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. So now pause here for a moment. He's dying near his death. Typically, individuals, when they are in this state at the end of their life, what they're going to share, what they're going to say, it's going to matter. 
right? Final words. He's probably not gonna give that secret recipe to the best bread you can bake. He says this, I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. Verse three, observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. If you do this, if you do this, Solomon, if you do this, this is it. I need you to do this, and here's why. Because if you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. If you do this. The thing that we're gonna unpack today, and listen, it's gonna dispel some lies, some myths, but hopefully encourage and give hope is that you can finish well, you can. Again, I don't care about your past. I don't care about your mistakes, your failures, your sin. You can finish well. Here's two things to know about finishing well. One, finishing well doesn't depend on how you started. Whew, say amen. I love this phrase that Pastor Kevin shared in a message just a few weeks ago. Maturity is the good decision after the bad decision. There's countless stories, countless moments in my life that if it were dependent upon how I began would determine how I finished, I would not be standing in front of you today. I'm gonna be completely open, honest, transparent. Welcome to Thrive Church. Some of you are gonna love it. Some of you are never coming back. So I've been married for 15 years. We have an awesome marriage. And I'm not just saying that. Some people are like, oh, it's fantastic. No, it really is. We love our marriage. I love my wife. My wife loves me. And, oh, uh, forget that. I, I don't have emotions. I'm a robot, all right? But what if I told you that the way we began our relationship was not God-honoring? It was not the way and what God desired for a relationship to be. And you know what happened? We had to make a decision. We had to change behavior. How you begin does not and will not always determine how you finish. Because some of you, listen, you're sitting here and you're sitting here with regret. You're sitting here with guilt, with shame. I wanna encourage you and remind you that your, your life, you can still finish well. Doesn't matter how you started. Here's the second thing about finishing well. Finishing well doesn't depend on what bad chapters you've encountered. And let me say this, they're bad chapters, not bad books. They're a part in just a moment of our story. We can start a new chapter. We can start afresh. Is it easy? No. Sometimes we have to make really difficult decisions. If we wanna be in a healthy place mentally, healthy place spiritually with our relationship with the Lord, we have to be faithful. And I love this. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. This is the end of King Saul's reign and God deciding to anoint David, who will become king. It says, but now your kingdom must end for the Lord has sought out a man after his own 
heart. You see, David, that's how most people describe him. When they think King David, if you've grown up or been around church enough, you're like, oh, David, the man after God's own heart. So positive. Again, Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. We don't talk about the failures and the cuts. We talk about King David. He slayed Goliath. He killed him. And then later he was a peeping Tom. No one talks about that. Nobody wants to be reminded of the bad chapters. Even though they did happen, we've got to talk to about them. We've got to deal with them but it doesn't define us. David is still called and described within the scriptures a man after God's own heart despite those moments, despite those failures. And I wanna unlock, kind of like unlock a piece of knowledge for you, something that you may know or maybe you don't know about his son Solomon. You see, Solomon is gonna be the next king. That's why David is given this this discussion and all these commands. You can read the rest of that chapter. He he continues on and continues on. But here's the thing about Solomon, who will become the next king. You know who his mother is? His mother's Bathsheba. You see, the woman that he was peeping Tommen on, the woman who he had her husband murdered so that he could swoop in like a knight in shining armor and, oh, come and let's get married, Bathsheba. Everything is okay. Out of that sin, which is what it is, came Solomon, who would go on to be the wisest person in Scripture aside from Jesus, who would go on to be the wealthiest king, who would go on to write the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and who way later down the line is the lineage of Christ. Your bad chapter does not determine how you finish. So let me give you those encouragements today about finishing well, of what it isn't, of what it is. So before we go digging deeper and talking and such, I need you to grasp hold of that. And let that be what you cling to. Let that be your hope this morning that, again, as we follow Jesus, as we seek him, as we obey him, as we live our lives dedicated to him, how we begin doesn't determine how we finish. And not only that, but our bad chapters also do not determine that as well. Because if we do not focus on finishing well, we're gonna just keep falling short. We're gonna keep tripping over our own feet. I love going hiking. Um, the most dangerous time I've been hiking is at night. And I am walking in the dark, in the woods, with this headlamp on, and I can't look forward uh, while I'm doing that because I will just bust my face open because I'm gonna find a root. I'm gonna find a rock. My feet are like, they're like, like root and uh, rock magnets. So I walk like this the whole time. But you know what I don't do? I don't fall. (laughs) I don't bust my head open and get left for the wolves. When we talk about finishing well, it's not talking about looking thousands of feet ahead of us. It's right here. One step at a time, one moment at a time, one day at a time. This is what Paul wrote to his mentee, Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. And this is very similar in nature to what we just read earlier about David saying this to Solomon. So Paul, this is the final letter that he'll write. This is it. After he writes this, he's dead, essentially. 
He is martyred in Rome. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Again, this is very important. This is like a deathbed instruction. It matters. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I have remained faithful. If you want to finish well, and let me also define finish well. I don't mean a fat bank account, okay? I don't mean a bunch of stuff. I don't mean an insane retirement plan. I mean finishing well as in a life dedicated to the obedience of God. That's finishing well because it's going to outlast every single one of us. My material stuff, it will rust, it will wither, it will burn. So if you want to have, if you want to finish well, it's your faithfulness. Your faithfulness will determine how you finish. Not just your, not your past, not your actions. Paul said he remained faithful. And faithful does not mean perfect. Okay? You and I, we can remain faithful to what God says in Scripture. Are we gonna mess up? Yeah. We're human. We're gonna sin. You're gonna sin. I'm gonna sin. Most likely, it's gonna happen today, maybe before you leave, maybe before you leave the parking lot. But guess what? We can remain faithful. We can remain intentional, focusing on knowing the Lord, focusing on obeying the Lord. Are we remaining faithful? So it means that obeying Jesus is more important than the next purchase, Obeying Jesus is more important than the next promotion. Obeying Jesus is more important than any other person. It's putting obedience to him above everything else, above your comfort, above your personal desires, above your personal dreams. Why? Because Paul said that when we became followers of Jesus, our lives were no longer our own. He says we were bought at a price. Our lives are his. We are to be, again, crucify our flesh daily as we follow him. I love this. Is what Jesus, he, Jesus said this when he was sharing a parable about a man. He entrusted some money to servants. And there was one of the servants. Uh, he took the money that was given to him. He invested it and doubled the money. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't, I, I would love that. That would be fantastic. I said selfish Keith. Matthew 25, verse 23 says, The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Our faithfulness will produce fruit. As we're faithful in following Jesus, as we're faithful in knowing him, our lives will produce fruit. What fruit? What kind of? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. As we begin to follow him, as we give our lives to him, it is going to be obvious. Now, it may not be obvious to everyone. 
but it's gonna be obvious to those that are close in your circle. People that knew you before. People that knew you after. I remember in high school when I first started following Jesus, people saw a difference in Keith. Keith stopped going to parties. Keith stopped smoking pot. Keith stopped drinking. What's wrong with Keith? Is Keith okay? Keith is awesome. Faithfulness. Are we being faithful? And as we end this series, as we wrap everything up, we're gonna look at a few principles that we can glean from and take from what David is sharing with Solomon and these passages that we've read. So how are we gonna be faithful? We're gonna be faithful, faithful in the small things. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. I've entrusted you with a little bit. Now I'm gonna entrust you with more. But the more doesn't happen unless we're faithful with the small, the little things. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Have you been faithful today? Have you been faithfully obedient to Jesus today? See, it's very difficult for me to say, I'm gonna be faithful my entire life because I have no idea what's gonna happen uh, in five minutes. I could walk off the stage, I could trip, fall, and like snap my knee. I don't know how my language and my attitude will be when that happens. And I hope none of us ever have to find that out, including myself. When my frustrations hit an all-time high, when my emotions run rampant, am I going to still remain faithful? Am I going to respond in a God-honoring way? When those bills that I didn't expect arrive, am I going to still be faithful with my finances or am I going to react in panic and despair and forget that he said he would provide? Am I gonna be faithful because I know he is faithful? You wanna finish well? You gotta be faithful in the small things. Things that you may not even think matter, but they do because it compounds. Because if you can be faithful now in just a little bit of stress, when life really hits you in the face, it will not be as bad. Will it be easy? No. But we will be faithful. We're gonna remain faithful after failure. Ooh. You know what happens when we fail something? Most of us, including me, we stop. This isn't worth it. This is too difficult. This is too hard. I can't believe I didn't get it right the very first time, even though these people have been doing it all their lives. Failure causes us to remove ourselves and go back to default. Well, I tried that. I tried prayer. What does that really mean? I prayed for my food. That was, that's about it. I tried reading the Bible, but I just can't get into it. It's just not interesting. It's just not fascinating enough. I tried going to church. I tried serving. I tried, and because it doesn't go the way we want it to go, we stop. We quit. Here's the thing about remaining faithful. We have to continue past our failures. You're right. Maybe reading the Bible is boring you to tears. Figure out a different way to consume scripture. 
Maybe it's listening to it. Maybe it's watching other sermons, better ones than this. Maybe it's listening to worship music. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's reading devotions. Figure out a way to consume scripture, be faithful beyond the failure. I've tried prayer. Try a different way. Maybe instead of sitting quietly in the dark and falling asleep like I would first thing in the morning or late at night, walk, pray. I don't know what to pray. Pray scripture. We can remain faithful past our failure. Some of you are sitting here and you're like, yeah, those are really nice failures, Keith, but I've like, I've messed up my life. Yep. So did David. After he sinned with Bathsheba and she became pregnant, they lost the baby. And it says that after that moment happened, David stood up and this is the KRV, Keith Raw version, and he moved forward. Now, here's what I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you there's not a time to mourn. There's not a time to experience pain. But what I am telling you is that you can't sit in the failure. You cannot stay there. Because what ends up happening is we sit in this pit, and here's the thing about this pit of despair. Guess what? It only gets deeper. It's like quicksand. The longer we stay, the deeper we sink. I wanna encourage you today, some of you, are, you're sitting here and you're thinking about all the failures, all the mistakes, all the regrets. You can still finish well. But we have to be faithful and move forward. We have to allow God to bring healing. We have to allow people that we trust and can be trusted to speak words of life and encouragement and lift us up and care for us. We have to be open and transparent with them. For some, we need to go to counseling and listen to a therapist, someone that is a third party, that that is what they are designed and in their career, they have learned to do to help people through these areas and times. Faithfulness is how we finish well. So we're going to be faithful even past and after our failure. We're going to be faithful in the small things. And we're going to faithfully finish every assignment strong. Everything we do does not deserve every amount of time or focus. But everything we do, I love what Paul says, that everything we do, we should do is worship to the Lord. So that means when your boss gives you that really stupid task, that you know is stupid. I can't believe they assigned this to me. I am gonna do this. I'm gonna do it begrudgedly. I'm not gonna do it because I want, no, 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 no. There's a chance that you can do something as honoring to the Lord. It cha- you, you gotta change your perspective about these moments, about these small, menial things or these really large projects that sometimes it's really tempting to you know, cut a corner and just kind of get through it. No, we're gonna be faithful. We're not going to cut corners. Why? We're going to be faithful. We want to finish well. If I want to finish well, I am going to faithfully finish every assignment. No matter if it's something large, something small, I'm going to do it as I'm doing it for the Lord. I want to be faithful. Why? Because I want to finish well. I want to do everything that God wants for me. So we're going to be faithful. And as we conclude, we're going to focus on Christ and his faithfulness. 
so that we can finish well. Sometimes our focus can get jumbled. Like we need glasses, we need to be reminded. And for me, for us, when we remember the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, I'm like, oh yeah, he did it, I can do this. He is with me, he is for me. 1 Kings 2, 4 says, if you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne. And I love this. In Acts chapter 13, they actually go into this. They talk about this. Verses 36 and 37, this is not a reference to David, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. No, this was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay, Jesus. You see, this promise that God gave to David, that David took like anyone else would take, that my lineage will continue, someone in my family will always be on the throne of Israel, God sees the bigger picture because God is the bigger picture. And he knew what he meant was not just some physical person, but that through his lineage, Jesus Christ would be born, that he would be the king of kings, the Lord of lords, that him and his faithfulness, his obedience, his obedience that took him to a cross. It didn't take him to a throne. It took him to death. But in his death, there was resurrection. And in that resurrection, guys, we have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins, to have eternal life, to have our lives transformed forever. So you, finishing well, focus on him. Focus on the one who has already finished it. Focus on the one that said it is finished. Focus on the one who cares for you, who is with you, who is guiding you. Because at the end of the day, when we have finished when all of us have passed away, typically our lives are gonna get summed up into like a sentence, a phrase. Because yeah, the week and the month after we pass, everyone's gonna talk about all the memories, all the stories, but a year's gonna go by, two years are gonna go by, and you're gonna come up in conversation. Oh yeah, oh he was such a funny guy. Oh yeah, he was a jerk. I don't know what the sentence is gonna be for you. I don't know what the sentence is gonna be for me. But what I wanna do is finish well. I wanna finish well enough that whatever that phrase is going to be, it's gonna be one that honors the Lord. My grandfather, Jack, he passed away when I was a baby, when I was a, just a, a small child. I never got the opportunity, the honor to know him. But I hear these stories and some of them are great, some of them are hilarious, and a lot of them have to deal with how, how bad of a temper he had. Really bad temper. Um, but something happened. Something changed in Jack Rowell. And you know what it was? No, it was not the gospel. That's what, that's what everyone's like, the Jesus. No, it wasn't Jesus. No, he had grandkids. He got gifted three triplet boys as his grandchildren. And the way people talk about Jack, before we were born, me and my brothers, 
and after we were born is that he was completely, he was a different man. Before, he was always angry, bitter. My cousin would wake up because he would stay over at the house sometimes. He'd wake up and think, how can I make Uncle Jack happy today so he doesn't get mad at me? And then, on the other side of me and my brothers being born, he is goofy, he is funny, he is giving us piggyback rides around the house, he's acting like a horse. Again, all stories I've heard, but here's the thing. How he finished is not how he started. And the hope is that for you and for me today, how you finish this life it is not determined by your bad chapters. It's not determined by how you started. It's determined by what you do now, from this day forward. And the truth is, again, just like with Jack, he was different before me and my brothers came along. He was different afterwards. Some of you today have met Jesus. You are following him. And who you were before following him is a very different individual than who you are today. And some of you sitting in here, guess what? Today you have the opportunity to follow Jesus and have your life transformed. And when I say transformed, I don't mean in some metaphysical way where you're going to begin floating in the air. And what I mean is you're going to have a peace that goes beyond comprehension. You're going to find yourself caring for people that you used to despise. And I'm speaking from my experience. You're going to care about what God cares about. So today I want us to finish well. I want you and I, again, from this day forward, to how can I be faithful today? When you lay down at night, all right, was I faithful today? Where did I miss it? And when we say, oh, I missed it here, 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 we're going to recognize it, we're gonna repent, and then we're gonna move forward. There is hope today that we don't have to do it by ourselves. God is with us. God is for us. If you would pray with me this morning. God, we count it an honor. God, that you are, God, not just our creator, but our savior. That God, in our despair, in our hangups, in our sin, God, you care for us. You allowed your son to be a sacrifice for us. God, I pray today as we are sitting here, God, help us to finish well. God, help us to every day, God, to look for opportunities and moments that we can be obedient to what you've called us to. God, help us to be faithful in our relationship with you. God, to be faithful in our relationship with others. God, to make actions and thoughts and responses that honor you, that lift you high. And as we continue to pray this morning, if, if you don't have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ, today is the day you can make that decision and it's to admit and to believe. According to scripture in Romans, is to confess that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he died and he came back to life. And in his resurrection, we can be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life. And in a way of confession with that, if you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus, pray with me this morning and say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. 
I believe that in your death and resurrection, I am made whole and forgiven of my sins. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. And it's in your holy name we pray, amen. Can we just put our hands together? Let's celebrate with those that made that decision today, those that made the decision and got baptized today. Oh.